Hi, I'm Tony Kramer with RDO Equipment Company. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Agriculture Technology Podcast. Every day there are phenomenal advancements being made in the field of agriculture technology. RDO Equipment Company is a leader in agriculture equipment and precision agriculture technology and is here with industry experts bringing the latest news and information from RDO and John Deere. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. This is episode number 151, and today we are going to be talking about residue management. Before we dive into the show, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. You can subscribe to the show on the many different podcasting apps that we're streaming this out to, such as Apple's podcast app. We've got it on Stitcher, Overcast, SoundCloud, as well as many others. While you're out there, drop us a review. We'd love to hear what you think about the show. Lastly, make sure to follow RDO Equipment Company on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and catch all of our latest videos on YouTube. You can also follow me on Twitter at RDO Tony K. Now with that, let's get back to the show. We have got another episode of, again, I don't know what we're going to call it, but uh, kind of a tips, tricks, um, whatever whatever it may be. Uh, now I know some of you might be saying, you know, residue management, how does technology play into residue management or how does residue management play into technology being this is the agriculture technology podcast? I will start out by saying uh, this isn't necessarily technology based, but this is information that I wanted to share. It's information that I think uh, quite frequently gets overlooked in the farming practice and that is residue management. Now, when we think about starting a cropping season, generally we think spring of the year um, in the northern states where we get uh, a freeze or snow, uh, we think uh, ground thawing, um, things like that, soil drying out. I know other parts of the, the United States, other parts of the world, they don't go through the, the cold weather. They're farming a lot more often. But one of the things I think we fail to think about quite often is when does that cropping season actually start? Does it start at your your secondary tillage or your spring tillage pass or your pre-planting tillage pass? Or does it start when we put the seed in the ground? When does that cycle start? And here's where I think we we often overlook this. In my mind, the the cycle for next year, next cropping season, starts at the time of harvest this year. And that's where we talk about residue management. So not just residue management from a perspective of tillage, but residue management right at the combine. So when that combine is harvesting that crop, we are preparing that field for the next cropping season, whether that's, again, in the in the colder climates, uh, you got to wait till next year. In the warmer climates, maybe it's only a, another month to wait, or maybe it's you'll be back here next week planting the next crop. But residue management. So talking from a more corn, soybean, wheat, kind of a, a commodity crop perspective with combines, um, we're kind of going to specifically dive into uh, a little more corn, but also soybeans and wheat are, are also play a factor in this. But when we think about that corn making the pass, what are we doing to best prepare that seed bed for next year? or not even next year, next cropping season or next uh, crop rotation, what are we doing? Are we thinking about that as we are in the combine? Now, 
the first thing I want to start out with is, of course, um, soybeans and wheat. It's going to be different because of how it's harvested, but with corn. So we have an option of stock rolls. We have an option of a stock master um, chopping corn head or a non-chopping corn head. All of that plays a factor in how this residue breaks down, how it becomes plant available, how we can till it, or even in no-till situations, what does that residue look like if we're not going to till it. So some of the things I think we need to think about is during harvest, what stock roll is right for me? And I'm not going to be the one to tell you that this stock roll is is best in this situation. You need to decide that on your own farming operation. Every, every farming operation is just a little bit unique. And so uh, we like to share um, kind of options that are out there, but we want you guys to make that decision on what's right for your operation. So we talk about stock roll differences. Uh, one of them being just with John Deere alone, we have three stock roll options. Uh, we got the opposed stock roll. We have the intermeshing stock roll. And now we have the new Romax chopping stock roll. And each one of those processes the residue just a little bit different. You know, if you stick with that traditional opposed stock roll and a non-chopping corn head, you're looking at 12 inches plus in in pieces of residue that are are laying out there in the field or they're still intact on on the ground the root ball um, the the essentially the plant is still standing there after stripping the head off now we go to the intermeshing stock rolls there we're going to get a little bit of of breakdown we're going to get some of more the 6 to 12 inch or or smaller pieces um, within that type of a stock roll and then we go to a chopping stock roll and that's really designed or the reason for that or need for that is someone that wants to process their residue down to that, you know, three to six inches, six to 12 inches, but they don't necessarily want to, to chop it up like a lawnmower. They don't want to mulch it. They want to just break it down. So it's, it's open. It breaks down easier in the off season. Uh, it it returns some of those nutrients back to the soil um, and and become and and allow it to become plant available. Now again, there is no right or wrong way to do this because then the other option is to be looking at these stock rolls with or without a stock master chopping corn head. So there's a lot of different options, but I think it's something that we really need to think about as we're making that corn pass. Now that's at the front of the combine. You know, like I said, soybeans, wheat, cutting with a, a cutting platform, a, a Hydroflex head, um, that's going to be a little bit different. You don't have the opportunity. You're running that residue through the machine. Now, let's keep on that same track and think about what's behind the combine. Um, the next thing I think that often gets overlooked is what are we using for, what does our combine have for a chopper, for a residue chopper out back? Um, are we using it? Uh, sometimes in wheat, maybe we're going to drop the straw. We're going to cut low up front. We're going to drop the straw out back. We're going to bale it for some other need. Um, or are we are we chopping it? Are we chopping and spreading completely? One thing that I, I've seen a lot in many different areas is we always we always think about what's up front on the combine as far as head width, but we don't think about what is behind us. So 
taking that into account, we have many different chopper residue chopper options. We have the the traditional manual uh, manual vein tailboard. We have the deluxe powercast tailboard, and then we have the premium powercast tailboard. Now, don't quiz me on the new options. Um, they uh, John Deere has made some changes and there's uh, some very unique uh, options as far as what you're looking for for residue management. It actually, it's a, you're able to dial it in a little bit more for your um, for your needs, what you're looking to get out of your residue management or, or your chopper. But don't don't only look at what that chopper does. Also take a look at at what what you have out front of the combine. What size head do you have? So looking back to that manual vein tailboard, that really was designed to spread no more than a width of say 35 feet back when we had those 35 foot flex drapers and that was the or 35 foot flex heads, the hydroflex heads, we can also get 35 foot flex drapers, but um it was designed for those 30, 35 foot, maybe a 40 foot head on the front of that machine. That is all the further that is really meant to spread. So if you're getting into the 40 foot heads, the 45 foot heads, now we've got 50 foot heads are becoming very common. You need some sort of a powered tailboard to distribute that residue across the entire cut width. Now, if we're not thinking about that and we're not doing that, if we're just running manual vein, or maybe we're not, maybe we have a deluxe power cast tailboard, but we're not spinning fast enough to distribute that residue across that entire 40, wood, uh, 40 foot cut or, or what have you, that is also gonna affect what is done or, or how the soil changes over time, whether it's, again, maybe not as big of a concern when it comes to the southern territory or southern areas, the warmer climates. Uh, but I know in the, the northern climates, when we're dealing with the, the overwintering and soil warming in the spring, having that even residue distribution makes a big deal. It makes a big difference. Um, if we've got strips in the field, um, we're going to have areas where there is residue and we're going to have areas where there isn't residue. And it, it each area is going to warm up differently come springtime or come thaw. So what chopper you have on the back of your combine is definitely something to think about. And then what width your head. Don't don't jump on on going out and getting a new 745 flex draper used at this point. Uh, I guess uh, we would be going with a an RD uh, 45F. Um, don't jump on the the wagon of getting a new head up front, but not looking at what we have out back. If we just have a manual uh, manual vein tailboard out back, we need to think about that along with what we're doing up front. Now, all of this, of course, comes into play when we talk tillage practices. So, you know, how are you going to incorporate that residue? That's the other thing to think about. Or are you not going to? Are you no-till? Are you minimum till? Are you strip till? There's all different ways to do this, but it's something that we need to think about. It. I'll take a, a quote out of John Deere's book. We need to start treating residue as an asset, not an afterthought. And that's something, that's one of the things that that kind of led me to record this podcast is that 
I do truly believe that oftentimes we think about residue as an afterthought. We're not thinking about how it's going to change. Now, there are some people that do think about it and they say, gosh, you know, we need to get that residue broke down or we need to get the soil black or whatever it may be. It all of those pieces come into play. The the quality or not not necessarily, not necessarily quality, but what do your stock rolls look like? Do they need to be replaced? Stock rolls aren't just for the feeding of the crop, but also uh, they play a big part in processing that residue. Um, what does your chopper look like? Are you engaging the chopper bank, the knife bank, for the the uh, residue? Are you um, not engaging the knife bank? Um, and then the head width, what are we cutting and are we able to spread that residue across that entire cut width to make sure we're getting even distribution? Um, spreading that out. Also, the next thing that comes into play is uh, John Deere has a feature where um, if there's any wind and you're dealing with wind compensation, we can speed up and slow down um, different spinners to be able to compensate for that wind. Uh, we need to think about that when we're distributing that residue behind the combine. So those are just a few things to think about. Um, one of the things real quick I wanted to add in here is just some numbers. Um, when we talk nutrient management, we talk about residue management, the the residue that is harvested but left on the field, it holds, and again, this is generally speaking, it holds a certain level of nutrients in it. Now, those nutrients, of course, need to be, the, the residue needs to be broke down within the soil and those nutrients we need to become plant available. But it just kind of puts it into perspective of let's think about residue as an asset, not an afterthought. According to University of Nebraska-Lincoln, corn residue, when you harvested corn residue or one ton of dry harvested corn residue, we've got and again, every every situation is going to be a little bit different, but we've got 17 pounds of N, 4 pounds of P2O5, 50 pounds of K2O, and 3 pounds of sulfur. Again, that's per ton of dry harvested residue. Now, soybeans, um, something kind of similar. We're a little different on the uh, potassium, but we've got 17 pounds of nitrogen, uh, three pounds of phosphorus, 13 pounds of potassium, and two pounds of sulfur. And then we go down to wheat residue. We've got 11 pounds nitrogen, three pounds phosphorus, and 15 pounds potassium, and two pounds sulfur. So again, that that is, that is numbers right there when you talk about crop removal in nutrient management. So I don't want to dive too deep into the weeds on on all of this, but it's just something to to get you thinking. Um, here we are, September first, September second timeframe, um, getting into harvest. I know a lot of areas are already harvesting or or already have harvested. Um, but think about that as you're sitting in the combine. You know what are you doing with your residue management to make a difference for next crop season, whether that be a week away or whether that be uh, four months away. Um, there, there's definitely some some thought that needs to go into it, and and it needs to jive along with all the rest of your practices. It's not just um, tillage is not the only thing that creates that seed bed. Um, your residue management plays a very vital role in that, um, moving right into planting. So. 
Um, hopefully this was beneficial for, for you listeners. Hopefully it gets you thinking about your residue management, you know, what you need to do from the front of the combine all the way to the back, um, and then including our tillage practices. So if you've got any questions about any of this, the stock rolls that I talked about, the chopper options I talked about, uh, stop in at your local John Deere dealership, your local RDO equipment company dealership. Um, we'll talk to you. We'll get uh, get your questions answered. And hopefully uh, it'll, again, just get you thinking about what you're doing with residue management on your operation. So with that, thanks again for listening and we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode. If you have questions about the technology and products discussed or have ideas about future episodes, please leave them in the comments below. You can also subscribe to RDO's YouTube channel and be in the know about each episode or tune in on any streaming service. Thanks again for listening.